Turn your Bible, if you will. We're actually going to stay in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to hit uh, a verse in a couple verses in the book of Ezekiel, but our main text is going to be in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. And as you're turning there, old Rusty had been thrilling rodeo crowds for over 40 years. And the announcer uh, uh, blared across the, the sound system, Ladies and gentlemen, Rusty will now perform the dangerous and breathtaking feat of galloping up to his bandana and picking it up off the ground with his teeth as he passes on his horse. The drums rolled, and the crowd roared, the chute opened, and out came Rusty on his swift horse. Nearer and nearer to the bandana he came, and just as he reached it, Rusty swung low from the side saddle, bent down, and sped right past it on his horse. But the red handkerchief was still on the ground. An embarrassed silence spread over the crowd. Rusty wheeled his horse over to the announcer, and there was a, a period of silence. Then the announcer turned to the microphone and he proclaimed, Ladies and gentlemen, Rusty will now take his horse back to his bandana and retrieve both the bandana and his teeth. Oh, Rusty lost his teeth. Amen. Through the ages, our topic this morning is going to be one that has been a topic of many debates, and that is Satan. And Satan has been the topic of many, many debates. Many have argued over his origin, or even if he actually exists. Many have asked, why would a holy and righteous God create such a wicked and horrible being? Well, the answers are simple. Satan is real, but God did not create him as he is today. Amen? We need to understand that Satan was created as a beautiful, powerful angel named Lucifer. In Ezekiel chapter 38, listen to how God describes Lucifer. He said, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and, and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes, your voice, was prepared for you on the day you were created. You were the anointed cherub who covers. I establish you. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. That iniquity was pride. Pride and jealousy. You see, Satan was not satisfied with being the anointed cherub. He wanted more. He wanted God's throne. He wanted God's authority. He wanted God's rule. 
He wanted God's worship and praise. So Satan organized a rebellion in heaven, and he deceived one-third of all the angels that were created, and and he had them uh, follow him. The Bible tells us in the book of Revelation that he lost that uprising. The Bible says that uh, angel uh, or that uh, uh, Satan and and Michael, the archangel, that they battled and their angels battled one another, and Satan was evicted or kicked out of heaven, along with that one third of angels that he deceived, those fallen angels. Now those fallen angels are now Satan's minions, and the Bible refers to them as demons, evil spirits. Or unclean spirits. We need to understand that Hollywood, they will depict ghosts as the spirit of dead people. Or demons as dead people who are evil. But demons, unclean spirits, evil spirits, these are all fallen angels. The the one third that Satan deceived that followed him. And the first thing I want us to consider this morning is Satan's manner, his manner, how he goes about. The Bible gives Satan many names, and we need to understand that names in the Bible are important. Uh, They describe a person's character. And that's exactly what all these names of Satan described. He's called the devil. He's called Beelzebub, the father of lies, God of this world, the evil one, the prince and power of this world, uh, or of the air, the prince of this world, He's called the enemy, the tempter, the deceiver. He's called murderer, accuser, old serpent, roaring lion, and the red dragon. Now, one thing I want us to understand, the Bible also tells us that Satan can appear as an angel of light. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, skip down to verse 11. 2 Corinthians 11, I mean, skip down to verse 14, I'm sorry. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing that his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. We need to understand that this is where Satan is the most dangerous. This is where Satan deceives so many. This is where Satan, uh, he will take just enough scripture. He will take just enough truth to draw us in. And then he will twist that truth. He will water it down a little bit. And change the true meaning of God's word to lead us astray. Amen? When he appears as that angel of light. And he does all of this, again, dressed up as that angel of light. He disguises himself in religion. And he'll even use Jesus' name when it benefits him. When people get tangled up in, you know, in drugs or, or alcoholism or, or prostitution. You know, it's easy for us to, to clearly see how Satan has taken over their lives. Amen? 
It's easy to see that. But even those who are religious, those who are spiritual, you know, we hear these terms a lot today, even the Christian, can be deceived by Satan's deception. And we need to be aware. We need to be mindful. In fact, religion, religion itself, is Satan's favorite tool to deceive. Amen? We have to understand that anything apart from Christianity as outlined 100% in the Bible, outlined 100% in the Word of God, is a deceptive lie from Satan himself. Amen? Anything that strays off from what the Bible tells us is a lie from Satan. A few years back, I was flipping through the channels. That's because that's what I'm an expert at doing. I was flipping through the channels, and I came across, I can't remember if it was Discovery Channel or it might have been the Animal Planet, one of those channels. And it was doing a story about a man and his pet bird. And his pet bird had this uncanny ability to imitate this man's cell phone ringer. And the man admitted that probably about 10 or more times a day that he would answer his phone and no one would be on the other line because it was his bird. And then they showed an example. They, they demonstrated the bird making the ringtone and it was absolutely unbelievable. He played the ringtone and then he had the bird and you could not tell the difference. Absolutely identical. It sounded exactly like his ringtone. And I share that story because it reminds me of Satan. I'm not calling that bird Satan, don't get me wrong. But it just reminded me of how Satan imitates God. Amen? How he has this uncanny ability to try to imitate God, try to imitate Christ. How he has the same ability, how he presents things to us that, that seem good. He presents things to us that seem fun and pleasurable, but are actually harmful and many times deadly. Amen? Second thing I want us to see are Satan's minions. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians 6, skip down to verse 10. The Bible tells us, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles, the trickery of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. So I want us to see here to be very clear that Satan does not operate alone. Amen. He has thousands of demons. He has one third of all the angels that were created to do his evil bidding. Amen. In verse 12, that it says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but we wrestle against those principalities, those powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age. 
that word wrestle in the Greek literally means mortal combat. It means hand-to-hand combat to the death. That's the seriousness in which God is trying to tell us that we have this battle, this spiritual battle to the death, this mortal combat against those principalities, those powers, the rulers of darkness of this age, spiritual hosts of of, of wickedness uh, in heavenly places. Those titles that God has given us here is referring to the order of Satan's demons. Now, when you study the Bible, when you read through the Bible, we see that the Bible clearly teaches us that when God created angels, he also gave them order and rank. Amen? He gave them order and rank. For instance, we read in the Bible about the cherubim. The cherubim are described as having, are described as angels having six wings. They're before the throne of God. And that's, if you remember, that's the type of angel that Lucifer was created. He was the anointed cherub, meaning he was the highest of all the cherubim. Then the Bible also describes a group of angels called the seraphim. They're described as having two wings. Uh, Isaiah uh, uh, had the uh, a vision of these seraphim. Uh, we're also told about the uh, archangel Michael. Michael is the protector of the nation of Israel. Then we have announcing angels such as Gabriel. You know, Gabriel came and he announced the, the birth of Christ and, and of John the Baptist. So God created angels and he gave them order and rank. And when we read through these verses here in Ephesians 6, where we see that Satan once again trying to imitate God He also has assigned order and rank to his demons, his fallen angels. And they do Satan's evil and his deceptive work. Amen? Now we need to understand that the very moment that we become born again, the very moment that we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, That is when that battle begins for us. Amen? That spiritual warfare begins the very moment that you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Demonic and satanic activity is quite real. And it's on the rise today. The Bible also details this type of of activity even back in, in Bible times. Matthew chapter 12, verse 24. The Pharisees heard, and they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. Matthew 25, verse 41. Jesus said, Then he will also say to those on the left hand, Depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire, he's talking about hell, prepared for the devil and his angels. Who was hell created for? Satan and his fallen angels. Amen? Then we also see in the book of Revelation, chapter 12, verse 7. I talked about that war in heaven. And war broke out in heaven. Michael, talking about the archangel Michael, and his angels fought with the dragon, 
And the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Amen? So demonic activity is very, very real, and it's on the rise today. We need to understand that. Now, as we study scripture, we see that demons seem to have a, a twofold purpose. First thing that we see is that they seek and they work to hinder and stop the word of God. Amen? They try to hinder and stop the spreading of God's word. Secondly, they also seek and work to extend the power of Satan. Amen? They try to extend his kingdom. And we see this illustrated all throughout the scriptures. For example, the Apostle Paul, he describes on several occasions his struggles with Satan and his demons. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 18, listen to what he says. He says, therefore, we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and time again, but Satan hindered us. He was talking about the Christians uh, in Thessalonica. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, starting at verse 1. The Apostle Paul said, he said, It is doubtless not profitable for me to boast. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. And now he's talking in the third person, but he's talking about his firsthand experience. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago, whether in the body I do not know or whether out of the body I do not know, God knows, such a man was caught up to the third heaven, God's dwelling place. He says, and I know such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know, God knows, how he was caught up into heaven, into paradise, and heard inexpressible words which is not lawful for a man to utter. Of such a one I will boast, yet of myself I will not boast, except for my infirmities. For though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth. But I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he seems, uh, sees me to be or hears from me. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. He's talking about as an apostle, the vision of heaven that he received, the vision of Christ. Uh, Christ met him face to face on the road to Damascus. Christ personally called him into the ministry. He's talking about all these things that he had been blessed with. He said, and lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, he said, a thorn in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. So I want you to see here that God allowed Satan to strike the Apostle Paul with what Paul described a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't really have much more information other than that it was some type of, of infirmity, some type of ailment in his flesh. 
Um, you know, there's been scholars and, and theologians who, you know, studying it, talked about Paul's poor eyesight, and they thought maybe, you know, that might be the thorn in his flesh. But we really don't know what it is. But we do know that Paul understands that it came from Satan. Satan was the one that put that thorn in the flesh. So God may also allow demonic attack upon us, upon believers, to fulfill his purpose or to fulfill his testing in us. Amen? We have to understand that. But he will not allow Satan to touch us beyond that purpose or beyond that testing. We also see that example in Job. Amen? God allowed uh, Satan to strike Job physically to a certain point. He allowed Job to go through that testing to strengthen Job's face, but, uh, faith, but he would not allow Satan to go any further. So as a born-again believer, we will be tempted, we will be harassed, we will be oppressed, we will be held back at times by Satan and his demons. But one thing we need to understand, a demon or Satan can never possess or take control of our lives. Amen? As a born-again believer, we are off limits to demon possession. Satan cannot have our life. Amen? Now, the moment that we are saved, the Bible tells us that we are placed in the almighty hands of God. Amen? John chapter 10, verse 27. Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. And I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither, listen to this part, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Catch that? My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And in me, uh, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are what? One. Amen? We are in God's almighty hands the moment of salvation. And we need to understand that no one, not even ourselves, can snatch us out of his almighty hands. Amen? Romans 8.31. The Bible tells us if God is for us, then who can be against us? Satan cannot touch us without permission. That's the thing I want you to take away from this. As a child of God, as a born-again believer, Satan cannot touch us without God's permission. And God will only allow it for his purpose. Amen? We also receive God's Holy Spirit the moment of salvation. And God's Holy Spirit lives and abides inside of us. We need to understand that. 2 Corinthians 6.14 For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Amen? Light and darkness cannot exist together. They cannot exist at the same time. It can't be the middle of the afternoon and midnight at the same time, can it? It's impossible. Light dispels darkness. Amen? Acts chapter 26, 18. Jesus said to open their eyes in order to turn them 
from darkness to light, and from the power of Satan unto God. So a true believer is off limits to demon possession. But Satan will still try to harass us. He's going to try to hinder us. He's going to try to trick us. He's going to try to lure us away from God's love and his protection. Amen? That we need to understand. Satan is still going to come after us. We still have a bullseye on our back because we're a child of God. Now, I want to be very clear. If you're unsaved, if you're not born again, then you absolutely can be possessed by a demon. Or multiple demons. Demon possession is quite real. And it's a lot more active today than when we've seen it before. Turn your Bibles to the Gospel of Mark chapter 5. I want to give you one of the best examples of demon possession in Scripture. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 1. Then they came, talking about Jesus and his disciples, to the other side of the sea, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, talking about Jesus, when Jesus had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs, out of the cemetery, a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And no one could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains. But the chains had been pulled apart by him, and the shackles were broken into pieces. Neither could anyone tame him. And always night and day he was in the mountains and in the tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and he worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and he said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For Jesus said to him, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he answered it, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. I want to point out a couple things here. Number one, that was a demon who saw Jesus afar off and recognized him for who he was. Who did he call him? Lord Jesus. Most high. Amen? We need to understand that even the demons, even the evil spirits, these unclean spirits, Satan's demons, these fallen angels, know exactly who Jesus Christ is. But are we going to see them in heaven? The Bible made it very clear. The scripture we read in the book of Revelation, there was found no more place for them in heaven. That meant forever. So just knowing with your head who Jesus is is not enough. Salvation is a heart commitment, not a head commitment. Amen? Secondly, we see that Jesus asked this demon, what is your name? And he said, Legion, for we are many. Now keep in mind, a legion of Roman soldiers in Jesus' day consisted of anywhere from three to 6,000 men. 
So we can understand that this man was possessed with how many demons? Probably three to 6,000. That's why he had superhuman strength. That's why he was able to break those chains and break off those shackles. And no one was ever able to bind him or hold him down. He was supernaturally powerful. And then we pick up in verse 10. And also he begged Jesus earnestly that he would not cast them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding near the mountains. So all the demons, plural, begged Jesus, saying, Send us into the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered into the pigs. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned into the sea. Where did Jesus cast those demons? Into the pigs, right? Now, I want you to mark this in your Bible. It's a very important theological point. This is the first time you will ever see in Scripture the reference to deviled ham. All right, you got that? Deviled ham. Now, I want you to understand something here. No one. No one could even approach this man. No one can control this man. No one could go up to this man except for Jesus. Except for Christ. Only Jesus could straighten out a life that was messed up this bad. And I want you to see the change that Jesus made in this man's life. Skip down to verse 20. This is after Jesus cast those demons out of him. And he departed, this man departed, and he began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him. And everyone marveled. The change that Jesus made in this man, no one could believe it. It was uh, turning night to day. Amen? Amen? Jesus can do the same miracle in your life. Amen. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've been there. It doesn't matter how low you have sunk. Jesus can and he wants to do the same change in your life. He wants to straighten your life out too. You just need to come to him by faith. Amen. I want to note that there is a definite link between demon possession, the occult, and the massive rise in suicide today. Way too many accept and experiment in what we call the dark arts. There was a poll that recently went out, 75%. I think it's probably even higher than that. 75% of today's teenagers have engaged in witchcraft, psychics, Ouija boards, seances, casting of spells, etc. What we need to understand is that all of these things are Satan's tools to gain access to us. 
Amen? Whenever we dabble in the dark arts, that's invading, inviting Satan into our life, into our home. And that not only affects us, but that also affects our entire family. He wants to gain access to you. And he disguises it as, it's just harmless fun. A Ouija board, that's just a game. A seance, we're just having fun. You're messing with Satan. You're messing with his domain. And you're inviting him into your life and into your home. Another tool that Satan loves to use is drugs. Amen? He'll whisper in your ear how unworthy you are. He'll sell you the lie that you're too far gone. That the pain is just too much to handle. And he'll lead you towards drugs to ease that pain. To cope with your problems. To, to just get rid of them for a little while at least. But the only thing they do is create more problems and more pain in the end. Amen? Meth, ecstasy, fentanyl. All of these are on the rise today. And coincidentally enough, which isn't a coincidence, so is overdose deaths. Amen? It's affected, I, I, would, I would venture to say every family in here has been affected by a family member overdosing or being addicted to drugs. That's how prevalent it is. I also want you to understand that not all harmful and deadly drugs are found on the street corners. Many are also prescribed by doctors. You have your Percocets, your, your codeines, your Vicodins, morphine, these are all highly addictive drugs that are prescribed to help with pain. But the difference with these drugs, opiates, they, they don't go after the source of pain. They affect your mind and how your mind perceives pain. And then you become addictive to them. But they're expensive. Even on the street, they're expensive. So that, that leads someone to turn to those illegal less expensive drugs like meth and fentanyl. The Bible is not silent about these drugs. Turn your Bibles to the book of Revelation, chapter 18. Verse 23. We're going to look at the second half of that verse. It says, For your merchants were the great men of the earth, for by your sorcery, I want you to underline that word. For by your sorcery, all the nations were deceived. You see, that word sorcery, in the Greek where the New Testament was originally written, is the word pharma, uh, uh, pharmakia. Pharmakia is the root word where we get the word pharmacy. Amen? God groups it together with witchcraft sorceries and witchcraft you see that combined throughout scripture 
These drugs affect your mind. They don't affect the pain itself. They are mind-altering drugs. And God is warning us about that. Revelation chapter 9, verse 21. And they did not repent of their murders or their sorceries, their pharmacies, their pharmaceutical drug use, or their sexual immorality or their thefts. You see where God uh, uh, groups them together? Galatians chapter 5. Skip me down to verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murder, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. Do you see that, that, uh, how God groups them with all these other horrific sins? Sorceries, pharmacia, pharmaceutical drugs. We need to be mindful. We need to be alert to all of Satan's lies. All of the tricks that he uses. All of the things that he uses to lure us and to deceive us away from God. We need to flee from temptation and not leave a forwarding address. Amen. Move and not leave a forwarding address. We need to understand that flirting with sin will lead to an unwanted romance with Satan and his demons. Plain and simple. Satan will size us up. He will find our weakness. And then he will come to us as an angel of light to deceive us and to lure us in. Satan is not that red-horned dragon with a cloven tail that we see in the movies, depicted on TV. He doesn't want to scare you away. He wants to what? He wants to lure you in. He will size you up, find your weakness, and come to you and, and exploit that weakness as, a, as an angel of life, uh, as an angel of, of light. We need to be ever mindful. Of what Jesus declared in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus warned, he said, the thief, another name given to Satan, does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. He said, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. James tells us, submit unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen? Let us all submit to God and his work today.